Welcome to the Bruise Less Traveled podcast. Today, I spoke with Max Fram, the Vice President of Strategy and Operations at 50 West Brewing in Cincinnati. I loved chatting with Max so much. This was definitely an eclectic episode. You'll hear everything from 50 West's old production facility possibly being haunted to a rumor that Abraham Lincoln actually used it as a crash pad. You'll also learn about their fitness beer. Oh, and mark your calendars for Max's birthday. Stay tuned to find out why. Welcome to the Bruise Less Traveled Beer Club. I am your craft beer loving host, Molly Lamb. We are back in Cincinnati drinking beers from 50 West this week. I'm here again with my awesome co-host for the month of June, Julie. Today, we are continuing to explore the craft beer scene in Cincinnati, which we'll be doing for the rest of the month of June, as you probably know by now. We have a super fun guest that's going to be joining us a little bit later, Max Fram. He is the VP of Strategy and Operations at 50 West Brewing. We're going to be tasting two styles from them today, the Shortcut Hazy Pale Ale and the Ocean City Strawberry Goza. I'm so excited to crack those open. So we actually got the pleasure of visiting with Max and his social media manager, Chris, when we were in Cincinnati. And I have to tell you, when we went to 50 West, it was just like an oasis. We had been traveling and it was so great to just kind of go in and have a beer and sit outside in the sunshine. And there were people everywhere, you know, playing. They had volleyball courts and people sitting out together in the sun. And it was just such a good time. We even got to tour the brew house, um, which I always love to do. It's so great to go back and really see the behind the scenes part. Um, So that was really wonderful being at 50 West, seeing behind the scenes and just seeing everybody being active. So if you are somebody who loves beer, but also kind of lives an active lifestyle, you can have both. Um, It was definitely a really fun brewery to go to. I agree. Yeah, I really liked it. I definitely have to be honest, Julie, I stayed far away from the volleyball courts. The last time I played volleyball was in ninth grade and I actually got hit in the face with a volleyball by my boyfriend at the time and started to cry. So I did not, (laughs) did not do volleyball with her at maybe after the beer, you would have had, maybe you would have had better luck. I don't know. (laughs) Totally. I stuck to what I do best when we visited, I drank beer, but yeah, super cool spot. And as usual, I have a few fun facts for your sense. Cincinnati repertoire before we open a beer. Cincinnati is actually home to the biggest Oktoberfest in the country, believe it or not. It's second only to Munich, Germany. I thought that was super cool because when I think Oktoberfest, I don't really think Cincinnati. And those of you who are members of our beer club, you got this cute little Cincy Stein. I love this guy. It's adorable. It fits right in the palm of your hand. This was given to us by the local visitors bureau. I was actually thinking, Julie, this would be so cute if people did beer flights and use these little steins. And also another cool thing about Cincinnati, there's some famous people that are from there, including Sarah Jessica Parker, Nick Lachey, Charles Manson, yikes, and Steven Spielberg. I think that's a pretty eclectic group. I think I know who I would not want to have a beer with out of that group of people. So I, I didn't have a beer with her, but I met Sarah Jessica Parker, fun fact, and she was the nicest celebrity I've ever met. Oh my God. I love to and hear about it. I'm a Cincinnati fan. Thing. Maybe you just get like really awesome, nice people from there. Yeah, I agree. I mean, people there are really friendly and I'm happy to hear that about her because I'm a big fan. But yes, such nice people in Cincinnati. That's good to know. What a fun thing to know. I am ready to open a beer. Julie, are you thirsty? 
I am so thirsty. I am ready to. I have my beer right here and I have my awesome Bruvana glass ready Me to too. go. Awesome. I'm thinking we'll start with the shortcut hazy pale ale. All right, let's go ahead and crack this open. There's that sound. Love it. All right. Cheers, guys. Cheers, everybody. Let's give this pale ale a try. Right off the bat, Molly, I'm seeing this color. Um, it's a nice, it's almost like a pale straw color, which is surprising to me. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Yeah, nice kind of light straw color. Looks a little bit lighter than some pale ales. Beautiful kind of juicy aroma too. Mm-hmm. I am not complaining. That's a good beer. Yeah, so the Shortcut Hazy Pale Ale clocks in at 4.7 ABV. So kind of light, not super heavy. I got to say, you know, sometimes taking the shortcut, it's clearly the way to go. This is a pretty straightforward, hazy pale ale that really checks all the boxes, in my opinion. And with this one, I would expect kind of a light, hoppy beer. It's got some notes of a little bit of mango and a little bit of berry, too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I will say, and Molly, you know this, I am not the biggest fan of hazy beers, like the New England IPA or New England or hazy pale ale like this is not something I would typically gravitate towards. But this one is really, it's very light. Like you said, it's very subtle. So with this haze, it can come from a few different things. Um, And just a couple of them to note, uh, the first one could have to do with some of the ingredients in the beer. It could have some really high protein adjuncts, things like oats, spelt, wheat, things like that are going to add haze to the beer. With these styles in particular, a lot of it has to do with the sheer amount of hops that are added late in the process, either in the whirlpool stage after the boil or dry hopped, excessively dry hopped. All of those hops, they're going to have kind of a chemical reaction with the proteins in the beer and create haze as well. So those are just two of the ways that you can get some haze in these, in these hazy boys like this one. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm loving this beer. Yeah. It's super approachable, really well balanced. And yeah, I hope everyone is enjoying this one. This is just like a nice, easy drinking, kind of like a good summer day beer. Now, as you guys kick back and relax with this beautiful pale ale, let me tell you a bit more about 50 West. It was founded in 2012 with an original location that was built in 1827 that was actually a speakeasy during Prohibition. Now it's used for private events since they expanded to a bigger location across the street that is like an outdoor sport enthusiast dream with volleyball courts and other activities that Julie mentioned to work off all of the beer you'll be enjoying and their beautiful outdoor space. They also have delicious food too, as well as a second location. And I'm curious if any of you tuning in live right now have a favorite beer you love to drink when you play sports. I know for me, I, if I, you know, like I mentioned, I don't really play sports, but I would probably go for like a Pilsner or something, something kind of light and crisp. Um, And you mentioned the food at 50 West I had forgotten. So that was our first stop in Cincinnati. And so I definitely had to get like, it was like chili on a burger. And I know we talked before about our experience with chili and that's such a big Cincinnati thing. So I had like this burger with just like a pile of chili on top and it was amazing. It was just like the perfect pairing with what I was drinking and it was just so good. So yeah, the food, like the food, the atmosphere, the beer, everything just kind of melts together so nicely there. 
Let's welcome on our guest this evening, Max Fram, the Vice President of Strategy and Operations at 50 West. Max, do you want to crack open the Ocean City Goza with us? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, this one's got a beautiful kind of pink colored can. I love y'all's vibe. It's kind of like 1950s road trip. Oh, yeah. Which is like perfect for this, right? Because we're doing our road trip across America. And this is like such a great partner to that for sure. Yeah, that's been our vibe. That's our brand. You know, that's like when even when we like designed these cans, we were like, what would look cool? So we have a 1968 VW bus that we drive around. We can actually pour beer out of it uh, at events and stuff. And we were like, when we were designing the can, it was like, what would you see, especially the American Lager, which is the all white can, it was like, what, what would you want? Like if that car had a fridge in it and you opened up that fridge, what would that beer look like? And it was like, all right. So, so we, you know, went through some design phases and came up with this thing. So this is the car fridge beer. Yeah, exactly. I love it. That's awesome. Cheers, guys. Yeah, cheers. 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 Happy to have you on, Max. Yeah, thanks for having me. Oh, this is nice. Yeah, like the aroma of strawberries, like the first thing, it just hits you. So good. Yeah, this is a strawberry goza. It's delicious. I love a goza. It's a nice kind of gateway beer. If you're someone who doesn't typically drink beer, you know, it's not super hoppy. And it's also a good gateway beer if you're just getting into sour beers because it's got a lower acidic profile to it. Gozas are really, really nice. And this one, the Ocean City Goza, it clocks in at 4.5 ABV. And it was named after the eastern terminus of, Ro- of Route 50. The Ocean City Goza features a beautiful pink hue, as you guys just saw if you were tuning in at home. And it's got a really thirst-quenching flavor. And this strawberry goza has a small amount of sea salt, which is typical in a goza, among a nice tart wheat base. It has a refreshing balance between acidity and then kind of a, a fruity a fruity sweetness. Are you liking this beer, Julie? What are you thinking? Oh my gosh. I love it. I love that. It's like that balance between the tart with like that little bit of salt. It's just like when you add salt to something sweet, like chocolate or something, you add a little pinch of salt and it just like balances out so nicely. And uh, Max, one thing we always like to start off is asking our guests, we want to get to know a little bit more about you and what is your craft beer origin story? I went to school at Ohio University and I studied biology. And I wanted to be a doctor. I actually wanted to be an anesthetist, which is like someone that works for the the anesthesiologist in the hospital. So I did four years of college and I was like, I'm done with school. This is the worst. I don't want to go to any, uh, I don't want to go to any, um, you know, uh, graduate stuff. So my strategy was to take a gap year, at least one and go find a brewery. Cause I don't know if I read it somewhere or if, um, this was, 2011, 2012. Uh, I don't know if I read it somewhere or if I, um, or, or if, if somebody told me, but somehow I figured out that breweries needed scientists. So I was like, okay, I'll, I understand fermentation science. Like I'll be able to do this. And so I found 50 West, um, and I met those guys and we, yeah, they were just starting the brewery. So we opened in November of, of 2012 and, uh, yeah, we kicked off. I did everything from like, working as a bartender and a host to brewing beer. So I brewed all the beer here for like a year um, with another guy. And then, uh, and then I started our sales team and then now I like run most of our wholesale um, marketing, you know, some of the vision for the company and, and how we launch new products and how we come out with new, um, 
seasonals and, and new wines to, to launch into the stores. That's so cool. So when you first started, were you in that original location that I talked about that was built in 1827? Yeah, I'm in one of the bedrooms right now. Oh my God, that's so cool. See, I would be too scared. I would just assume it was haunted. Anything built before 1990, I'm like, there's obviously a ghost here. But no, that's an amazing piece of history. That's so cool. You just got to sit there, down with yeah, the ghost cool. and, and share a beer with them. You'll be <laughs> good to go. There's employees here that swear up and down that there's ghosts in this place. I've never encountered one, but uh, one like kind of piece of folklore that's kind of cool is it's rumored that Abraham Lincoln slept in one of these bedrooms which is pretty cool because it was like a road stand, you know, where if you were traveling, so Route 50 goes across the country. So if you're coming from um, D.C., it goes right through D.C. And so, like, if you look at the canyon, you'll even see, like, there's some, there's the Capitol building is on, uh, is on the one side of it. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was rumored that he, like, came from D.C. through Cincinnati and stayed here. That's so cool. Oh, my God. Yeah, I see it on the can. This is cool can. What's the Ferris wheel on the can? That's Ocean City. Oh, yeah. So Ocean City, awesome. Maryland is like the eastern terminus. And then Route 50 goes across the entire country. Um, and so it, it passes through the sea. And then like that little brew pub right there, that's our space. And there's a little flying pig right there, which is like a little Easter egg for Cincinnatians. Um, you can see the St. Louis Arch kind of behind the logo. There's some mountains where you could, that's like supposed to represent like Colorado and Nevada. And then all the way to the Golden Gate Bridge. That's awesome. I love the little flying pig. There he is. So cute. Yeah, there's a couple other little little clues in there. The um, one of them that's kind of neat is uh, the sign when you're driving from east to west on Route 50, the sign shape and design of the sign sort of changes as you go. And so if you look at the sign above the brew pub, it looks a little bit different than the sign that's, that's near uh, the Golden Gate Bridge. Oh, that's awesome. Do you miss working in production at all? No, not at all. <laughs> Why is that? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's, it's, I actually brew a beer once a year on my birthday and it's like become a joke at the brewery where like I try to brew the most expensive beer that I can. And so after the first year after I did it, I brewed this coffee beer and I brought, I bought this like really like premium coffee to put in beer. And our production manager yelled at me and he was like, your birthday beer is stupid. It costs like more than any beer we've ever made. And then so now every year since, I just like purposely, I'm like, all right, we're brewing a gold flake beer. Or like we're brewing like a, I just like come up with ridiculous ideas that'll make the beer too expensive. Does it sell though? Like, I mean, are you making a profit? What's the margin on that? <laughs> no, no, we probably sell it at a loss. Like we'll okay. just sell it for a normal price, but I'll like, it'll, it'll be the most expensive cost. You can't put beer. a price on Max's birthday, Molly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's priceless. What's a really expensive ingredient? I'm just curious. I don't even know. Yeah. So like fruit is expensive. Hop. So like if you're just making traditional beer, um, yeast is really expensive, but you use it multiple times. So it like, you know, the, the cost gets all chopped up. Um, but hops are the most expensive raw material. Um, and then you can buy like rare or cooler hops and that'll drive the price up. But if, yeah, if you want to make like an imperial beer, you're just talking about like more raw materials in general, right? And then, yeah, like coffee is expensive, fruit is expensive. Um, I uh, no, I, I I brewed the last one I brewed was oh, an orange coconut sour. So I used I used orange puree. I used a bunch of lactose um, to make it like kind of like a candy sour. We put vanilla in it, and I like we used real vanilla, like a bunch of real vanilla beans. I don't know, vanilla is really expensive. I don't know if you know that. 
the uh, we used tangerine purees. I wanted more than one kind of orange puree in there, and then we used um, coconut, like a ton of uh, uh, toasted coconut. That sounds delicious. It was. It went over really well. Yeah, coconut's one of those flavors. I either love it or I can't stand it, but I could see it being really good in a beer. That's creative. All right, when is your birthday? I'm coming. No, my birthday is on October 24th. So yeah, come. We'll brew it on the 24th. So come on, come in like I don't know, early December. It'll be on tap. Let's take a beer break. Our guest Max mentioned that hops are the most expensive ingredient in beer. That got me wondering, why are hops so expensive? So growing and cultivating hops is costly and takes years of planning to execute. The startup costs can be really expensive when you factor in the labor and infrastructure alone. Breeding new hop varieties can take years to come into the market and make a profit. And the expenses don't stop there. Once the hop yard is productive, the threat of mildew is also costly to hop growers. On top of this, bigger brewers can have contracts with hop growers that last years, which restricts supply to the smaller producers and drives up prices. According to BeerMaverick.com, the price of hops ranges anywhere from $2.50 to over $5 per ounce for coveted varieties such as Galaxy and Sabro. Certain beer styles such as New England IPAs regularly require up to 62 ounces of hop pellets per barrel. This massive amount of hops and styles like this make it one of the most expensive ingredients when brewing beer, commonly taking up over 50% of a recipe's budget. But don't worry, hopheads, when it comes to making beer, these flowers are well worth the extra price. I definitely want to make a trip back to Cincinnati because I really did love it. And we uh, had Chris Shields on from Rheingeist last week. Yeah. And he said to tell you hello. He's a big fan of yours. He's the man. I'm a big fan of him. He's super nice. What a what a sweet guy. Tons of knowledge. Really cool. Are you? Do you have a lot of like friendships with other breweries in Cincinnati? Yeah, absolutely. Especially those guys. I um, what Ryan guys did was like incredible for the entire industry. I mean, they, I mean, they might be the most successful brewery startup like of this like third wave of breweries. And uh, yeah, so I I love talking to them. I think they're all really cool people. Um, yeah, there's there's a bunch of guys in Cincinnati that like if I walk into a bar and I see them, I'm like, oh my god, I love this person. You go sit down with them and have a beer. I love that. Yeah, just like that. How communal beer is. We keep saying it's so great that like everybody everybody works together and lifts each other up and and hangs out together. You know when they're not working, which is amazing. Um, so speaking of hanging out, we talked about the volleyball courts and kind of the outdoor vibe, the different sports. I know you had like pickleball. Um, what was it that made you want to have this kind of focus on that uh, outdoor activity life? Yeah, I mean, what, so we started, you guys saw the original place where I'm sitting now, which is the brew pub. We started there in 2012 and we're next to a bike path. Um, the Little Miami bike path is on the other side of the street, closer to the, you know, the, the new facility that we built. But people would come off that path and come park at the the brew pub and so many bikes were getting stacked up and like pushed against the fence to our beer garden over on this side that uh we bought a bike rack and then it, it was just neat to watch people come off that trail and like how many people wanted just like a place to stop and have a beer and we 
the more we saw it, the more it like just became part of our brand. It just became part of like, hey, if you want to go hang out on the Little Miami Scenic Trail, like you should stop at 50 West. And so it was some of it was like, it's, it's like an inherited infrastructure, right? And then, so when we bought the place next door, that place came with six volleyball courts. Like that was a volleyball bar that had had gone under it and we bought. And it was like, okay, now we're going to run leagues because they were successful with leagues. Like, I wonder if crap here people are going to want to play volleyball leagues. And it like boomed. So then we were like, wow, this is, and it was also like a secret to the business a little bit where um, it gave us automatic traffic because there was leagues going on. So then we were like, okay, when we built out the rest of that space with the burger bar that you guys ate at and uh, um, built that giant beer garden, we put another sport court in. So it's that fenced in court. We can, we've set it up for futsal to be like our foot first league, which is it's soccer with a heavier ball. It's like a little bit more of a technical game of soccer, but you can play pickleball on it. You can play corn. We did, we started cornhole leagues. Um, we have our own cyclery. We have a canoe and kayak livery because the, there's a river right there. And then we just opened a running store. Um, and it's, a, it's a fleet feet franchise, but it's fleet feet at 50 West. So yeah, we, we, we take, we want to take people out on the trail and on the river and then in the sand. So it was just, it, it evolved really naturally, but from the beginning, it was people on that trail just gravitated to us. And we just were like, all right, this is our customer. This is who we have to talk to. And so cool. we embraced it. Yeah, that's so fun. It like it reminds me of the um, story of like the history of the Rattler. Um, so I guess with that, there was a guy who owned a hotel, and he actually built a bike trail that led straight to his establishment, where then he could serve this like mixed beer, lemonade, or, or soda um, cocktail, and then named it a Rattler after cycler or bicycle rider. Um, is what it actually translates to, but he was like, oh, there's a demand for this. We're going to actually build a trail that leads right here. So everyone's going to like get off their bikes and want to come have a beer. Um, but you kind of did the same thing in your own way, which is really cool. Yeah, and we've also made a rattle before. Awesome. You're like, a, you, Those you're, are good. you're on it. Yeah, they're so good. Um, so how about that fitness beer? So when we were there, you gave us a sample of this like fitness beer that you make where you've kind of blended together your beer and your appetite. Uh, what was that uh, process like? Yeah, that was really cool. Um, so, you know, we're always trying, especially in my role, I'm trying to pay attention to like emerging trends in beer and figure out like, where do we fit? And where does our brand fit in this world? And that's kind of like, the filter that we pass through, uh, like, cause you can't do every trend, right? Like we've never made a seltzer. Um, and we, it, we just got to look at each one and say like, is this good for us? And is there a spot for us, you know, in, with, in the future of 50 West, like, can, can we, you know, does it work for our production? Does it work for our wholesalers? Does it work for, um, our brand? Ultimately? So, um, with the fitness beer, we had already been doing all this activity stuff and there started to become this emerging trend for that everybody in the industry referred to as better for you beer. And so you saw it a lot last year um, and in 2018 with mostly, I'm sorry, 20, 2019 and 2020, it was mostly low-cal IPAs. That's where most people like got in. Uh, but we didn't, we don't really, we kind of zag when everybody else sticks. So... We were like, all right, we don't want to do that. We have this active lifestyle like base customer that is going to pay attention to us. Um, what kind of beer should we make? So we just started drinking different beers after runs. So we would go on runs on our on our bike trail, 
we have a, a training group that trains people for marathons and half marathons. So we're sitting there with our, with our groups and it's like hundred runners and we would bring them in and be like 8am on a Saturday and we'd come in and everybody would drink beer at like 8am after a big run. It was awesome. And we would just start like, we started making test batches of different kinds of beer, low calorie stuff. And we just started giving it to them, just giving them surveys and just being like, what do you guys think? What do you guys think? And they liked fruit, like light fruity beers, kind of tart beers, sort of like what we're drinking right now uh, is what they really gravitated towards. So we kind of started with that sort of base um, where we we started with like a really light blonde base. This is a goza base, so it's wheat with, with you know, a sour wheat base. But uh, we started with more like a blonde. And then we added tartness through fruit. So we actually just used lime instead of souring the, 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 um, the kettle or, you know, in the fermenter, we used lime juice. And then we used watermelon juice to give it like natural electrolyte because there's a bunch of natural electrolyte in, in watermelon puree. Yeah, it created this like really delicious beverage. Um, they, if you go to the store, like if you go to your, your grocery, they'll have watermelon like drinks now. It's like just called watermelon water. And it was like the same idea that we figured out that like watermelon and lime taste really good together. And then we put it in like the lowest calorie, completely fermented out blonde base. So then what we did was we sent Gatorade and Smart Water and like a bunch of stuff, Pedialyte, all to a lab to figure out how like because it'll say the dissolved solids like the electrolytes on the cans but you don't know the percentages so we sent them all to a lab to figure out like how much of each element is in there and then we added even more uh electrolyte to the bev and so it was like this beer that carried you know it was a better for you beer right it was it was low cal and it was like suited to kind of replenish you as it it's a little oxymoronic because alcohol so it's like deep punishing at the same time but um but it was it was a great great beer to have after a, a long run yeah it was so delicious too right molly we both really liked that one yeah it was really good i wonder if that's going to become a trend i remember when i was out in colorado volunteering in production at rocky mountain brewery he was trying to do the same thing he was like i want to make a fitness beer and his dilemma was he needed it to be like lower alcohol just so people weren't getting drunk while they were working out, I guess. So that was his dilemma with it. But I wonder if that's going to become kind of a trend. I mean, this Goza is, to me, so refreshing. I feel like I could drink this after a workout. But I think he was trying to find something to drink during a workout. And that was his his hang up with it. But it's a such a cool concept. Yeah, it is cool. And, and the target like became 100 calories just because that's where Seltzer was. Ethanol carries calories right it has a caloric weight to it so um you have to like really keep it around like four one or so to like be in that 100 calorie range that's why like even if you see a lot of the seltzers there are a lot of them are around the same abv because that's how they're able to like keep it low and then like like white claw came out with like 70 calorie white claw or whatever but if you look at the the alcohol on it it's way lower it's lower yeah. than that's how they did it yep yeah, it sounds like, um, like you mentioned, you like to zig when everyone else zags or zag when they zig, which I think is awesome. And I know with your role, you kind of have such a hand in the, um, you know, the strategic planning and the strategy. What would you say the future of 50 West looks like? Yeah, you know, we, with COVID, um, we figured out the space that you guys visited, right? Like we, we had the volleyball for so long, but we figured out the right restaurant concept finally, which was the burger restaurant that you guys ate at. And it's this 
1950s Americana roadside, you know, eatery that kind of feels like, um, it kind of feels like, like In-N-Out meets a brewery, right? So we love that. And it worked so well for us that in the, the service model that we chose works really well as well, where there's no servers and you just walk up the windows and there's that outside bar. That was finally the last like piece of the puzzle for us. We've always seen the brand since there was, um, so there's like a very well-known guy in beer. Uh, he, he famously like helped build dog for shit, but he at one time at a conference was like looking at our stuff and he thought, he thought, um, our brand was cool. And he, he was like, what are you guys doing in the future with it? And we're like, we're not sure yet. And he like looks at our sell sheet. We have like a sell sheet for, for, uh, beer for sale at wholesale. And, uh, he was like, you idiots, look at this picture. There's a picture of America with a line through it. And I was like, yeah, that's Route 50. That's like where it goes. And he's like, that's how you expand your distribution. You just go along Route 50. Your brand will resonate everywhere that you go. And we were like, oh, he's, that's like so obvious. And uh, so I think that the future of 50 West is creating more spaces that look just like that and putting them across America along Route 50. So we launched our second one in Chillicothe, Ohio, um, during COVID, which was wild. And then uh, I think the next one will happen sooner than later. Um, we're poking around a little bit already, but uh, we, we just launched the state of West Virginia. Uh, Route 50 is like an essential highway in West Virginia. Uh, so everyone there is going to be like, oh, we know exactly what Highway 50 is. Um, and then we're just going to keep doing that and just like, expand off across this like little belt across America. That's I love that. That so sounds cool. so fun. I just want to like drive down 50 West Sound. I'll just keep like popping in at each one on the way, you know, sounds great. Yeah. Right. I love that. That's such a cool concept. I don't think anyone else is doing anything like that. And also Max, something we like to ask all of our guests when we kind of are winding down is what is your ideal day off in Cincinnati? Oh man. Ideal day off in Cincinnati. Um, so like I'm kind of a foodie, so it's going to be like a lot of food and drink. But uh, yeah, I would probably, it's probably summertime. Um, I live like downtown Cincinnati, like near the river. Um, so I would probably wake up in the morning and like get brunch with friends and then probably go to a Reds game um, and like have a hot dog and a bunch of beer at the game. And then uh, we would, we'd probably go... To OTR, which is like the cool part of town, and then uh, yeah, have, have more drinks. And I, I just like I would very specifically, if I was going to have a day like that, choose like new cool restaurants that I've never been to, um, and then a friend list that was going to provide like the epic, you know, uh, entertainment for me. Yeah, your perfect entourage. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that sounds so fun. I love it. Yeah, the Over the Rhine neighborhood is really cool. We visited Rheingeist and we got to see that area. And I I definitely, I think I would spend a day off in Cincinnati there as well. And uh, as we wrap up, it is time for our rapid fire questions. So Max, your goal here is to not think, just answer. Okay, you ready? Sure. All right. Favorite beer style to have on the beach? Ooh, uh, Berliner. Favorite beer style to have in the winter? Stout. Last beer you drank and loved? Ocean City Goza. <laughs> Favorite beer to have with food? Uh, Pilsner. 
West Coast or East Coast IPA? West. Right on. Max, you did me, the best at our really. rapid fire. Yes. <laughs> those were so, you're like, those are solid answers. You're like, I know exactly which one I'd pick. Yeah, you were good at that. You win the you win the award for best rapid fire guest. You're only the third one though. So, (laughs) Max, it's been a pleasure having you, folks. Check out more of the amazing work Max and his teammates do at 50westbrew.com. Max, is there anything you'd like to plug? Uh, no. Drink your beer. Check us out. Come come here. Come to Cincinnati. Awesome. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Thanks to my wonderful co-host, Julie, and my awesome guest, Max Fram. Be sure to tune in next week as we chat with Listerman's Abby Bricking, the event coordinator and assistant manager associate, as well as Jess Gorman, their co-taproom manager and co-marketing director. I have to be honest, this was my personal favorite brewery in Cincinnati. Tune in next week to find out why. Cheers, y'all. Thank you all so much for tuning in. It's always a blast having a beer with you. Don't forget to sign up for the Brews Less Traveled Beer Club, and this way you'll get the beers I've been drinking delivered right to your doorstep, plus exclusive access to our weekly live streams. You can also follow Bruvana on Instagram and me as well at Molly underscore Brews Less Traveled. I always love hearing from you guys, especially if it's a beer recommendation. So keep the messages coming. Cheers. Cheers.